Jeremiah wrote, Thus says the Lord, cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when the heat comes and the leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious and it does not cease to bear fruit. Exile was their new normal. Exile was their new normal. They were long past the point of being able to pivot their way out of it. I don't know about you, I'm so sick of hearing that word pivot. Anybody else? The nation of Judah has fallen. It has become prey for those who were more powerful than it. And Jeremiah says the reason for this is they have counted on human power rather than trusting in and leaning on the arm of the Lord. They have run after personal wealth. They have trusted their investments and their savings plans. Now their money is worthless. They had become a nation of extreme gaps, health gaps, wealth gaps, education gaps, housing gaps, fueled by a chasm of injustice and greed. And the more uncertain the times had become, the more greedy and faithless they had become. They were seeking personal power instead of relying on God's power. Instead of remembering God's promises and trusting God's covenant, this tiny nation of Judah, which found itself between superpowers, had decided to court an alliance with Egypt, hoping that Egypt should somehow keep Babylon and Assyria off of its front porch. But it had backfired, and Babylon has destroyed Judah their businesses, their marketplaces, their entertainment venues, their homes, their vineyards, everything has been just burned to rubble. Nothing is left. Nothing. And exile is the new normal. Now, Jeremiah says, it's not just the poor who are suffering anymore. It's we're all suffering. And the question is, in the midst of the chaos and the suffering, how are we going to live? I think it's a good question for our own time. In the midst of chaos and suffering, how are we going to live? And I don't need to list all the ways our society is melting down. The news feed will tell you that each and every day, all day long. But I, I can name a few things, right? We're engaged in some global battles. We are battling for water, we're battling for land, we're battling for minerals, we are battling for power. Mass migrations of people are seeking safety, opportunity, survival. There is human suffering everywhere. There are daily outbreaks right here in front of us of rudeness like we haven't seen in a long time. Cruelty, violence, fueled by, it seems like there's this seething anger, seething fear and mistrust. 
I was a little nervous going on airport. I've just heard so many stories about people breaking out in fist fights, but all was fine. More uncertain things become, the more attracted we become to the false prophets. We start looking for solutions, assurances, something we can hang our trust on. We look for a surefire portfolio for retirement. And there are plenty of people willing to put on a, su a seminar promising that they have all the answers that will secure our futures for us. We seek out the neighborhood development that somehow promises safety and security and that our values will always go up. There are, se there are seminars and degrees that promise to leverage us into the position of power that will allow us to be the ones calling the shots. There's the next church growth movement and theory always before us. We look at military power, we look to technological innovations, we social status, economic achievement, all of these things are temptations that we face as ultimate sources of security and personal meaning. But every single one of those things and anything we can possibly create can be destroyed in an instant. Jeremiah speaks from personal experience. None of these apparent sources of power, he tells us, will be sufficient for the trials that are coming and confronting us. So he asks us the ultimate question. He says, in the midst of chaos and suffering, how are you going to live? And he boils it down to two choices. He says there's really two paths that we can take. Based on his own experience, he says, we can keep on doing what we've been doing, or we can learn to put our faith in God. We can rely on the arm of human ingenuity, or we can rely on the arm of the Lord. We can be a salt bush in the desert, he said, or we can be a mighty tree. Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. He says they'll be like a desert plant that rarely sees the rain and inevitably shrivels up and dies. Good just passes that person on by. They shall not see when the relief comes. They won't even notice God's blessings when they're right before them. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness, he says, in an uninhabited, salted land. If it's salted, nothing grows there. A life that is arid and without joy, a sad life. He said it's no life really at all, constantly searching for water, that security, searching for security that can never be found. This is the existence of those who choose to keep on doing what we've always done, rely on ourselves. A society that isn't focused on the goodness and the trustworthiness of God is a society that has settled for life as a scrub brush in the wilderness. Blessedness, he said, blessedness consists in radical trust and dependence upon God. Blessed, he says, are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. 
They shall be like a tree planted by water whose roots go down into the stream bed. It shall not fear when the heat comes. It isn't going to be stressed out or anxious when there is a drought. It shall stay green and it will never cease to bear fruit. We can live life like it's a desperate struggle or we can live as if we're rooted by living waters. That's the choice. Even though we're all going to be tested and tried. Even though both the faithful and the faithless both will undergo drought together, he said, trusting in the Lord will look like blessedness. I would say, what does trusting in the Lord look like for us if we're living this life of trust? How how will we notice? Well, I'd say, first of all, it looks like we don't succumb to fear. Everything tells us, you know, we should be afraid. But all of the messengers of God in the Bible, every angel that ever showed up, every time Jesus showed up, the first words out of their mouths were, be not afraid, fear not. Do not succumb to the message of fear. Don't let it get a hold of you. You have the power to say no to it. You can turn off the news. You don't have to listen to every single word ever put out there. Be generous. Jesus showed us that, you know, give. We think we don't have enough to give. That's the time to give. Give the last thing you've got. Because in giving, you have power. In giving, you have blessedness. Cooperate. Trust one another. Come together. Seeing the goodness in life, that's, that's blessedness, that's trust. Seeing the blessings that are all around us. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of, the, of heaven is upon you. The king, kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is here, now, in the midst of the chaos and the suffering. We can stop and feel the warmth of the sun on our faces and be grateful for that. That is blessedness. We can take the time to pray and just sit before God in gratitude. That is blessedness. We can notice the birds and the butterflies and the snowflakes. We can make a pot of soup and we can share a bowl of it with a neighbor. We can keep sending out the cards and calling one another up and and we can do the Valentine's thing every single day of our lives and proclaim that message, I love you, God loves you, we're in this together, you are blessed, you are appreciated, you are gifted, you are graced. That is a message we need every day of the year. We can live the blessed, trusting life in God by not getting too worked up about politics or politicians. Okay, it's important, but you know, it's, we are not going to rise and fall on what these people are doing any given day of the year. We can live our lives with grace. We can make friends with people at all socioeconomic levels. We can go out of our way to put ourselves in places where we are likely to meet people who are not just like we are. We can practice kindness. We can choose not to curse the person who makes us angry. We cannot take our own powers too seriously. 
Yes, it's good to save. Yes, it's good to live within our means. Yes, it's good to have some investments if we can do that. Yes, it's good. You know, all of these things are nice to have and nobody's saying we shouldn't have them, but we also shouldn't hang our hats on them or our futures or our destinies because it can all disintegrate. Focus on God's kingdom all around us. Live as Jesus lived before us. Trust in the Lord even when the rain does not come. A radical trust in God is at the heart of the conversion experience that St. Augustine had. It was at the heart of the epiphany moment for Martin Luther at the start of the Reformation. A radical trust in God was at the heart of faith for John Calvin, another reformer, who agreed that the true knowledge of God ultimately consisted of trusting and reverence for God as he said it, the fountain of every good. I say it all the time, God is good, God is good, God is full of blessing and goodness and grace. The way forward for us is to rest in faith upon the arm of the Lord. Our life is like a green tree planted by a river, growing constantly on a permanent source of water, of goodness, of life, alive, fruitful. Both of us, the mortal, those who trust in the mere mortals and those who trust in the Lord will both suffer drought. The difference is the latter thrive because they send out their roots into the stream that is eternal. Life in the midst of chaos can be good and fruitful, is good and fruitful. Last Sunday you experienced that. There was a wee bit of chaos. I got a text message on my phone in the morning. It said, the supply preacher didn't show up. There was a slight moment of panic. In some congregations I've known, people would have gotten mad. In some places, people would have gotten angry and walked out. They'd have just given up. They might have called me or sent off mean emails or something to express their displeasure. Could have called up the bishop and complained that things weren't being done right. At the very least, they might have reacted with anger towards the supply pastor who wasn't here and assumed the worst, some flaw in character, but not you. You reacted with grace and assumed the best, and your concern was for his welfare. Was he all right? It turns out he had COVID and was extremely sick in bed and kind of out of his head. But then you trusted in God. You stepped up. The Spirit was with you. I have heard so many testimonials since I got back in town about your experience last week. Those of you who were present, I heard from Cheryl, who, Cheryl Bender, our vice president of the congregation, who just a couple of weeks ago was absolutely terrified just to run the congregational meeting. You know, because we go to these meetings. It's like, it's one thing when, you, when you're in the passenger seat, but it's another thing when you have to drive, right? And all of a sudden, she was going to be in the driver's seat. Well, I'm sure a few weeks ago when she was stressing about the congregational meeting, she had no idea she was going to lead worship. 
But she stepped up. She trusted in the Lord. You assumed that goodness would prevail and guide you. Then I heard there was an appeal put out for a preacher. Three of you volunteered. Dan Pressing prevailed. I have heard nothing but testimonials from the congregation, Dan, about the grace of your words and how they marveled at how the Spirit worked through you last week. You were such a blessing. Thank you. It was a special day, you've told me. The Spirit of the Lord was palpable in this place. You have told me, you know, Pastor, it was a real gift from God that we got to experience the chaos and then the trust. In the midst of that, when you chose to trust in the Lord and the arm of the Lord was the thing you leaned upon rather than your own experience, what you have described to me is a state of blessedness. That is what Jeremiah says life can be like in the midst of chaos. Jesus has promised us that he is with us not only to the end of our lives, but to the end of time, a time that never ends. That nothing can take us away from him and that nothing can take him away from us and that absolutely no power is great enough to overcome the church. He has promised us that where there are only two of us meeting together, he is present to teach and to edify and to strengthen us and to prepare us for all eternity. And so, my friends, this is the life that is before us. Amen.